Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. I'm so uh, excited today to share with you my new friend, Rhonda Stoppe, and she's a wonderful uh, women's event speaker and author of four books, I think, a mother of four kids, which are, I used to say, my children are my books, because I didn't have time to write a book when my kids were small. But uh, Rhonda, would you just start by telling us a little bit about your family and then your ministry, because you are called the NoRegretsWoman.com, and I just think every woman would want to hear your story, and we only have, what, 20 minutes. So tell us what you can, and we're going to talk a little bit about legacy. You know, I am the No Regrets Woman because I help women break free from regrets that hold mm -hmm. them back, and I help them build No Regrets lives. Uh, Jesus' message to us when he talked about the man who built the house on the sand, and the, when the waves came, it came crashing down, and the man who built his home on the rock stood firm. And I think it's easy to build on that beautiful beach next to the, you know, wonderful, you know, ocean and under a palm tree, but that's oftentimes where we find ourselves in regret because when the storms come and they will come, yes. that, that hut that we build with the dreams of, you know, it lasting forever will not, it will come crashing down. All of us have done regretful things, but in Christ alone, he takes our sins as far as East is from the West. He washes us whiter than snow. He doesn't throw it in our face anymore. And we don't have to get stuck in our regret. Hmm. Uh, I wrote an article for Focus on the Family, and I think it was called, they changed the title, so I have to think. I think it was called uh, Insights from a Teen Abortion Accomplice. I think that's what it was called. And what the, the premise of the article was, as a teenager, I sat in an abortion clinic and helped my girlfriend have an abortion. And it wasn't until later when I was carrying my own child that I realized that I had been an accomplice to what had happened in this woman's life. And there was regret and there was shame and there was, you know, wishing I had had known more. It was in the seventies. And so, you know, it just had become legal and kids weren't being talked about it in churches, youth groups, no one was talking about it. So, you know, all the things that women have that are regretful, but God says, I, I will take you and I will wash you whiter than snow. I shared the gospel with a young mom Last Easter Sunday, we had a live stream in our building, and I know you asked me about my family. I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried. Keep going. <laughs> and there was a young couple that knocked on the back door as we were doing a live stream service with just a handful of our staff, and it was a young man who had grown up in our church and had made terrible decisions and was in a destructive pattern, and they asked if they could come in, and my husband let them in, and they sat in the back. And then afterward, I started talking to the young man who was not wanting to hear it. He, you know, you could tell. It was like, I know all that. He gave me all the pat answers of everything he knew from the time he was growing up and the Bible verses that he had memorized. But then I looked into the sweet girl's face. And I shared with her the story of Mary Magdalene, who Jesus had cast out seven demons. Hmm. And that very woman who clung to Jesus until his dying breath and then went to his tomb and was the first person who saw him resurrected and was sent by Jesus himself to the disciples to proclaim Jesus is alive. And I looked into that sweet girl's face and I said, 
that's the person God chose to proclaim he is alive. And this was on Easter Sunday, remember? Wow, wonderful. He started to tear up and I said, God uses us when we surrender to him. He makes us whiter than snow. He washes our sins away in Christ. And in Christ alone, we can walk in newness of life and we don't have to be stuck in our regret and in our shame from our past. Mm -hmm. And so that is my heart. Uh, you know, I just chatted off air. Evangelism is my sweet spot. I sharing the gospel without regrets. You can go on my website, noregretswoman.com. I got to share with Dr. James Dobson's staff. They asked me to do their morning devotion before one of my interviews with him. And I told my husband, what could I possibly tell Dobson staff that they haven't heard from every amazing author they've ever had do their devotions? But evangelism is my sweet spot. And I know uh, being raised, going to Christian schools, being in church ministry, my husband's a pastor, it's easy to live in our Christian bubble and to think I'd share the gospel if I ever knew somebody that needed it, but you surround yourself with your Christianese and your Christian mm -hmm. friends. So I shared that message of sharing the gospel without regrets. And you can go on there and watch that. It's a 27, 28 minute video. But when we live without regrets, the world is stuck there. The world knows they have built regretful lives because without Christ in our hearts and our lives, we all have regret. We may pretend that we don't. We may pursue things that make us feel like we have some value or worth or success. Uh, and a lot of us will turn on our children or our spouses to make us feel valued, to make us have worth. Okay, and I want to ask you a question real quick, because I mm -hmm. think, um, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think about this. Uh, people these days are um, very self-forgiving, a lot more than in my parents' generation. So your message strikes home to everybody if they're honest with themselves. But uh, what I hear the message that women are proclaiming, even Christian women, is the grace of God so much so, which I believe in, um, but they forgive themselves without the grace of God. Like, oh, well, I didn't mean it, or I'm not as bad as the other person. And so they never feel a need for the gospel. Like this one young woman I talked to after Easter last year, and she goes, well, what is the difference about following God and not following God? And I go, the difference is Jesus. She goes, oh, well, forget that part. Like she was going to forgive herself, but without the blood of Christ. So do you find that as well with some people who are resisting the true message of the gospel because they don't feel a need? I think we have to realize that like what Jesus said to Peter, you know, who am I? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, I think that no one, he said to him, you wouldn't even believe that if God hadn't helped you believe. Hmm. I think we have to come from a place when we're sharing the gospel, when we're holding out the hope of living a life without regrets, of building a no regrets life, that only those who the spirit is drawing to Christ is ever going to be poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see God. They will only be those that recognize their need for a savior. Uh, so, uh, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do to convince themselves that they are without sin or that their sin isn't, you know, I didn't kill anybody. So I'm okay. Exactly. We are just to proclaim the message message. Right. We are ambassadors for Christ. Um, preaching as it were with urgency, be reconciled to God and let God do the work in bringing, in showing them their sin and bringing them to a place of even wanting to be forgiven. I think of the rich young ruler that walked up to Jesus and he said, have you kept all the commandments? You bet I have. I've done all those things since from my youth. But Jesus pierced his heart with what was his idolatry, his possession. Mm -hmm. 
gave him his worth, his value, his comfort. And Jesus said, sell that because that's what you worship. And until you sell that and walk away from it and follow me, you will never have a part of me. And so it's not for us to convince them. It's just for us to hold out the hope. The word of God is what is quick and powerful and sharper than a sword as we deliver the word of God. Mm-hmm. And they've overcome the blood of the I lamb. Would- and the- I always love what my former pastor said that is that we don't save people. Jesus saves them. And our responsibility, of course, is to give the gospel. I don't know. It's such a relief, you know, because there's um, someone we were praying over very, uh, whatever, hard the last five years. And every time we come up with another book to send them on another movie for him to watch or whatever, I would remind my daughter it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's not what I say, because she was depending on me to share the gospel. And uh, so don't put your hopes in that. It's just like none of us, even as believers, we have a ten- tendency to put, uh, make idols of ourselves or of other things or even other Christians. Let's go back to, I think this is what women really want to hear or uh, my audience will really want to hear. When you say that you help women build lives without regret, can you say what that means maybe in just a couple sentences? It's building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's letting meaning him what? Well in us. It's knowing that without Christ, I am without hope. It is knowing that we are all born in our trespasses and sin. And when we surrender to him as the master of our life, we repent of our sins. We turn from it to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And from then on, we daily seek him. We daily are washed in the water of the word. We daily are saying, examine me, Father. Show me my heart. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. As we uh, let him saturate our minds with truth. It's the word of God that changes us, um, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We won't even know how to build a no regrets life. We won't even know what God's will is for our lives if we are not being transformed by truth. You can read books. I write books. I've got six books out. Uh, The Marriage Mentor, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, Real Life Romance. If my husband changed, I'd be happy. I've got other books out. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, We can read great books, even biblical books, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the power to change us like the Word of God does. Mm -hmm. And the Word of God is the one that will show us our own heart and reveal to us areas that are idolatry, areas that we're holding on to when God says, I want you to walk away from that and walk towards me, shaking off those things that so easily beset us and running the race that he has set before us. And it's a daily choice. It's a daily saying, show me my heart. I'm going to excuse my behavior every time. I'm going to blame somebody else every time. I'm going to pursue what's comfortable. I'm going to pursue what's safe. I'm going to pursue what is profitable in, in the world's eyes, what is expedient in, you know, all of those things. And, and the world's value and, and idea of success in God's is completely different. But we So be- if you could give them three steps, are you <laughs> able to, you know, because this is short and okay. they want to come away. You've just strung a bunch of Bible verses, which some people may have never heard. So okay. I want you to give them three steps. All right. Number one, examine yourself to see if you're of the faith. I didn't ask if you were religious. I didn't ask if you go to church, if you light candles, if you chant mantras, if you, you know, pray specific prayers over and over again. God doesn't, the religious leaders of the day crucified Jesus because he invited people to have a relationship with his father. Uh, Practicing a religion breeds rebellion. Practicing a religion gives us a false sense of security. That's so true. 
examining yourself to see if you're truly of the faith. When you get to heaven, Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord. And they'll say, I did all of these things in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. That word knew you is a covenant term. It means like I entered into a covenant with my husband when I got married. It means I became one with him. When we surrender and realize there's no good deed I can do to measure up to the goodness that God requires for me to enter into his heaven or to have a relationship with him. When I surrender to that, number one, I have a relationship with him. Number two, I daily seek him in his word. And I, number three, fellowship with others who follow Christ like that, who will spur each other on to love and good works. Okay. That helps. Um, I think your legacy is uh, already told, you've already told us your legacy. And um, have you found any, uh, uh, well, let's, let's talk about a little bit about this. How are you currently passing this on? I have 11 grandchildren and two on the way due in August. That is my priority ministry. I'm a pastor's wife. I minister to my husband. In fact, my pastor's wife's ebook is called I Sleep with the Pastor because my ministry to the minister is my priority ministry in life. <laughs> I get, but uh, my daughters, my sons, my sons-in-law, my daughters-in-law, uh, my, my, my legacy is to live in a manner worthy of my calling mm -hmm. that they too will want to follow Christ like that. Uh, when Steve and I just recently spoke at, uh, we did a, a Dr. James Dobson interview on Family Talk, and, and we were in Dr. Dobson's office after the interview, and Dobson and Steve were chatting on the corner, and he asked my husband, he said, you know, at this season of your life, at this age, what is the one thing that's most on your heart? And my husband teared up immediately, and he said, I want to finish well. Hmm. And Dobson teared up and reached over and put his big old hand on my husband's shoulder, and he said, me too, mm -hmm. me too. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's so easy at this stage. I'm going to be 59 years old in a couple of weeks. I've been married 38 years. Um, it's easy to think now it's just me time. Now it's just about myself and doing what I want to do. And yet now is the season in my own life where I want to live in a way, you know, God says, I created you for my glory. Glory means reflect his character. I want to live so that my children, my grandchildren, uh, people who God brings across my path, know God because they know his character through the way that I live, not by my religious practices, but by my love for him. Jesus said the priority of life is you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second commandment is that you love your neighbor as yourself. I can't love others well until I'm loving Jesus well. Mm -hmm. So legacy is let, let them say, Nana was a little bit crazy, but she loved Jesus and she loved people. Yeah. I, I, I would hope for the same as well. Um, but we can't get lax any day on that. I think I remember the whole reason I started this Rhonda was because a year ago now I was listening to some friends talk about their elderly parents and that how they were beginning to fail and they couldn't think straight anymore, probably bordering dementia. And I just curiously asked one friend, so how old is your mother? And he said, 87. And I didn't say anything to him at the time, but immediately I thought, well, I'm going to be 67 this year. That means I may, I may have 20 years of cognitive viability left in this brain of mine. We don't, of course, really know. We could have a stroke tomorrow or whatever. But, you know, thinking about it in those terms, 20 years is not very long. When you're 20, it seems long. When you're 40, it, it seems maybe long. 
when you're 66, almost 67, you're saying 20 years is not long. What am I going to do to make my life count daily because we don't know what's going to happen? And if someone can come to know Jesus as a result of how you and I speak to a neighbor, that's, that's, that's it. And my mentor keeps, Laurie Pochatz keeps reminding me that whatever we do in the word, for the word, and for people lasts forever. So if I'm asking her, Lori, should I take this uh, conference or should I do this um, project? She'll say, well, it's building into eternity. So the answer is yes. Right, right. And it's interesting because you talk a lot about hospitality and, and I'm always, you know, I taught my kids and history. It's always people over possessions mm-hmm. because we have to realize that most kids, most people are, are not taught that at home. When we moved to Austin, Texas, we planted a church there. We were there for six years and we opened our home and we had everything in our home for the church, except on Sundays, we went to a school and met there. This was back in the nineties when it wasn't being done. So it was, we were a little bit weird. God opened the doors and it was awesome. But we had like uh, over 200 teenagers at our house every Wednesday night and we fed them hot dogs uh, because feed them. They will come. They trashed our house. We had white carpet. It was destroyed. Uh, it was, they <laughs> but you know, these kids, they lived in the wealthiest part. They lived on Lake Travis, wealthy, wealthy homes. And they would come into our house. I remember one big old football player holding a hot dog with, with ketchup and mustard on it. And he said, why do you do this? And as he said that he tipped his hand and his hot dog rolled up onto my white carpet. And the kids were all over making just craziness. So many of those teens came to Christ. I wish I could tell you. And it's so fun by the magic of internet to actually watch them still raise their families in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, we've been in ministry for 30 plus years. It's neat to see in the 18 years of youth ministry, the ones that are following and still serving Christ. But as this young man's hot dog fell on my carpet, I kept my eyes on his eyes. And he said, I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay. Let me finish this conversation. I'll take care of that in a minute. And I said, do this because we love you, because God loves you, because mm-hmm. our possessions are not our priority. It's you. It's mm-hmm. telling you about the relationship with Christ that he wants for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where hospitality comes in. I think it's easy to say, I'll have people over once my house looks, you know, Pinterest perfect, or I'll invite someone to my house if their kids don't come and break my stuff or all mm-hmm. of those things. But if we remember the mantra, people over possessions, that's how Jesus lived his life. Exactly. That's how us to live. Um, I was going to read a quote from Moms Raising Sons to BBN, if you don't mind. And this is an interview that they just did with Focus on the Family. I think they're going to air it around Mother's Day that you can listen to the, oh, the son's video. Uh, it'll be video and audio. But listen to this. Let Christ invade your life. Your son's generation longs to see what genuine Christianity looks like. They are aching for someone to lay down all the trivial cares of life and show them by example what it really means to live for Christ. Your children can come to understand the infinite importance of surrendering their future to the Lord if they see you living in total abandon for the Lord. Exactly. And through your example, your children can learn to joyfully expect God to direct their future as well. Mm -hmm. If we keep our eyes on every day, what does God want to do in and through me today? And I know some moms that are listening are staying home, changing diapers, your life's about boogers and bums all day long. I remember those days. I remember I quit corporate America to stay home with my children. And I remember thinking, when am I going to get to do something that matters? When am I going to get to do something that's important? And I remember feeling like I wasn't the mom I hoped I would be. I wasn't the wife I meant to be. 
And I looked around, uh, Steve was in youth ministry at the time. I looked around at some of the women that were parents to our teens. And I said, I want to have a marriage like theirs. I want to have my kids like me when they get to be adolescents. Mm -hmm. And I attached myself to those older mentors. You know, Titus 2 calls the older women to teach the younger how to love their husbands and love their children which by the way, loving your husband means being a friend to your husband. And I remember asking them for help. And then they invited me to a woman's Bible study. It was a precept woman's study on the book of Philippians. And it was five hours of homework a week. And I'm like, Hey, I have babies. I just want to be a better you know, person. <laughs> and one, her name's Gail. So just, just do one, one study with us. And it transformed my life because mm-hmm. I knew scripture, but when I was being feasting on it on a daily basis, it was changing who I was. I was seeing life through a biblical worldview and it transformed me uh, and it gave value and worth to the time I was pouring into my children. Uh, My children have all grown up and they serve the Lord. They follow Christ. They married godly spouses. That is not who I was raised to be. That is not the family I was raised in. That's not the person. I come from a long line of divorced families. I come from a long line of women that are more about their selfish uh, comforts and I was raised that that was normal. That's who I would be. And I would have built a regretful life. Hmm. But God sent older women into my life, like I'm hoping I'm doing with some of your audiences today. I'm sure you are. Uh, Christ rule and reign in your heart and mind. And you will look back at a life well lived. Hmm. You won't be able to plan what's out in front of you. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finish of your faith. But you will look back and see his gentle nudging, his conviction, his redirection, and you will live a life without regrets. Oh, thank you so much. This has been such a hearty blessing and a feast really for my listeners today, Rhonda. And I want to thank you so much. And I'm going to put your links to your books and your uh, list of speaking tro- topics. And they can contact you if uh, once this uh, virus uh, thing is over, the shelter at home thing is over, and they can have you. Or they can also hire you for doing online ministry as well. And you've been so great and how fun that we are now friends. So thanks so much. And we're Cali girls, California girls. California girls. Called Cali because God called us here or we wouldn't stay. (laughs) If you could ever uh, come down to San Luis Obispo, you give me a call. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.